wrestling fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything in between. It is time to go to war and be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the revolution. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashuk, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. What's going on, guys? It is I, the one and only Quiet Riot himself, Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Greetings, one and all. This is your Prime Minister speaking, your favorite Canadian Mr. Fret. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the Effing Great from the Game Changer Podcast. If you're looking for a network that keeps wrestling real, then you've come to the right place because you're listening to you are listening. To you are listening to you are listening. Then you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening to what is going on, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Now enjoy the show. Are you ready? From the Gift of Podcast Studios, it's The Delight Show. And here's your host, Matt Chapel. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Welcome to The Delight Show. I am your host, the Monday Night Delight. Man's Chapel, it is a pleasure to have you here with us this evening. We're going to have a great show this week. We're going to talk about video games. Video games being one of my most, uh, my oldest standing and one of my most treasured forms of entertainment. I've been playing video games as long as I can remember. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of my favorites, some of my, my least favorites. And later on, we'll get into some more in, in particular. We're also going to talk about WWE NXT TakeOver in your house. This show happened up until the main event, and then uh, and then I had some, some, some better thoughts on it. But we'll get into that. First, so let's talk about a little bit of wrestling news here and there. Um, it's a big week for champions. Uh, there was a new champion crowned on to, uh, in your house. We'll get to that in a second. But on SmackDown, we have new SmackDown women's... Actually, excuse me. WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Sasha and Bayley defeated Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to become two-time WWE Tag Team Women's Champions. That's an awkward amount of words to have to say. But that being said, um, the end of the match went down a little funky. Let's call it that. Um, Sasha locks in the bank statement on uh, on Nikki Cross. She's got it pulled back. She's she looks like she's gonna have her tap. Bailey reaches over, tags herself in, pulls Sasha off of Nikki, and locks in the bank's statement. Well, uh, Nikki gets a roll up. Bailey counters that roll up into another roll up. Sasha pulls Alexa out of the ring, and and uh, Bailey pins Nikki Cross to win the women's title. Seeds of dissension sown uh, here absolutely between Bailey and Sasha, but they have the women's tag team titles. This is a trope as old as time, but this is the first time that I believe WWE has done it with their women's division. Let's not forget that going into WrestleMania 2006 or 7, maybe? 2006. Shawn Michaels and John Cena were the tag team champions competing for the WWE WWE title. Let's not forget the two-man power trip of Austin and Triple H, Austin and The Undertaker, Austin and Love. 
enemies who become tag team champions together or teams who become tag team champions and end up feuding. Um, so, I mean, is this going to be a Cena and Michaels feud over the title or is this a case of the Mega Powers about to explode in the women's division? I don't know, but it's an interesting wrinkle. I hate, though, that Bliss and Cross got sacrificed on the altar of this storyline. But I think in the end it'll be worth it. On NXT last week, we crowned a brand new NXT Cruiserweight Interim, or maybe not champion, they don't say interim anymore, Eho Del Fantasma pinned um, Drake Maverick to win the title in the finals. Now, that's, that's a big story, but the other story is Drake Maverick, upon losing his third of his last three NXT, title, or NXT WWE matches on his contract, is pre- presented with an NXT contract from Triple H, he signs on the dotted line, and he himself is now an NXT superstar. He's back in the company. Was this all a work? Did they fire Drake Maverick to uh, do a feel-good storyline about Drake Maverick? Because you could have done that with anybody here, and Drake seems like an interesting choice. I don't think that's the case. I think what had happened here is that Drake, along with everybody else, got fired back in April. He put out that video, just super touched, super sad about it, and then WWE saw the response and decided, well, we'll do a storyline. We'll hire this guy back. It'll get the heat off of us a little bit, and it'll make it'll make for good TV. Drake's not a huge babyface. You cannot have him just immediately go back to being a heel and immediately chasing our truth for that 24-7 title, which other title changes week, uh, truth recaptured the 24-7 title from Gronk. Gronk is now, of course, the Bruno San Martino of the 24-7 division. Uh, back to what I was saying, though. So Drake has to be some kind of babyface. What do you do with Drake Maverick now? Personal opinion, you find him a huge tag team partner, and you send him after the after Imperium for the NXT tag team titles. I think he needs to be out of the Cruiserweight division. He's not clearly uh, in the uh, North American division or the Heavyweight division, but with a proper tag team partner, he could be tag team champion. Uh, injuries. There were some injuries that were reported this week. Uh, Elias apparently out for a little bit. Uh, that's why he got hit by Jeff Hardy's car. Uh, but not Jeff Hardy, as we learned on SmackDown. Uh, Kyrie Zane got a pretty significant cut facing Nia Jax. Nia Jax threw her head first. And granted, this is the spot. You throw them into the steps. But she pushed Kyrie's head down where Kyrie couldn't see. And Kyrie hit the steps, cutting herself and bleeding pretty badly from what reports say. Um, I will bring back this hashtag every chance I get. Hashtag Naya must be stopped. Um, she is dangerous. Too dangerous. I mean, I want to point out that Ken Kennedy hit one. Well, okay. Ken Kennedy injured John Cena and hit a bad suplex on Orton, and he was fired immediately. We know that Naya is dangerous. She's injured Kyrie a couple of times. She injured, uh, injured Ember Moon, I believe. We know she broke Becky Lynch's nose right before Survivor Series. So, Nia Jax must be fired. Samoan Heritage be damned. Uh, she's a danger to others. Um, that's all the news we have here. Let's talk about video games. Uh, I, I, I said before that I've been playing video games as long as I can remember. That is not a hyperbole. My earliest memory is the day my younger brother was born. I, I would have been... Almost 36 months old. Three years. Sorry, I'm a parent. We measure babies in months until they're about 60 months old. 
No, um, I, I, w- I would have turned three in April. My brother was born in February. And I have memories of that day. Two things I remember. One, I was not supposed to... Uh, I was rushed out of the hospital. My brother was born prematurely. It did not look like he was going to survive. And so um, they rushed Mance out of the hospital. So he didn't ask questions that really didn't have answers. Two, I was taken to my aunt and uncle's house... And to distract me, I was given an NES controller, and I played Double Dribble on the NES. I assume all day. I only remember about a couple a couple plays. But my literal earliest memory is being rushed out of the hospital and given a video game to play to distract me from the fact that my parents were going through hell with my younger brother. So video games have always, always been a part of my life, literally as long as I can remember. We had an NES system in my house as a kid. It might have been the same one, to be real honest. Uh, my brother, again, sickly as a child, um, required medicine, would be up all night. And my mother and my father, who this baffles me, they mastered Super Mario Brothers 1. Like, my mother and father could run through Super Mario Brothers 1 start to finish, and I'm not talking warp zones. I'm talking 1-1 to 8-4. Just go, 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 go. Uh, and they would routinely do this. I can barely beat 8-4 as an adult today. I guarantee if I give my father enough time uh, and his arthritis isn't acting up, he could beat Super Mario Brothers 1 on this day. Uh, my mother would play a lot of Tetris. My mother would play um, most Mario games on the NES and uh, Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo. Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo is the last game I remember my father playing but my father and his buddies would get together and they'd play poker or canasta or something every uh, every month or so, maybe a couple times a month. Uh, side note, there was a smell I always associated with this group getting together to play cards. And it wasn't until I was somewhere in, in my early 20s that I realized that smell, that smell that always accompanied my father's friends when they got together to play cards, that was tequila. Um... That's beside the point. I just wanted to tell that story. But one night, instead of playing cards, my dad's friend Danny, who was also my friend Amanda's father, uh, when we we get together, we break out her Super Nintendo because I had a Nintendo, but she had a Super Nintendo. Well, we she brought they brought the Super Nintendo over. I get really excited, thinking, "Oh, we're gonna play Super Mario World. We're gonna play Aladdin. We're gonna play this. We're gonna play that." No. These men busted out two controllers and a copy of the original Super Mario Kart, and they played Super Mario Kart all night long. It's, it's a fascinating memory to me, my father playing. That's the last game I remember my father ever actually playing. Now, I would start playing my own. I would get my own Super Nintendo. Uh, I wanted to just talk about some of my favorite games moving forward. Uh, Super Mario Worlds 1 and 2 for that Super Nintendo Um Super Mario World 1 is just a masterpiece. It's a huge world. There's so many levels. There's so much to do. New game mechanics. The cape, the Yoshi, um, the the key and keyhole double exit feature is... I mean, I honestly played this game last week. I constantly find myself playing Super Mario World on whatever system I currently have. I have Switch Online. I can play it now. And whenever I just want to kill, you know, 10, 15 minutes... I'm playing Super Mario World, um, and I probably will continue to do so 
any chance that Nintendo lets me. But then there's Super Mario World 2, which was Yoshi's Island. I got this game for my 11th birthday. Um, and I just remember... It was it was a Mario game, absolutely, but it was different. You were Yoshi. You could throw eggs, and you could fly, and your mechanics, again, different, but it was so cartoony and, and dare I say, magical that I love this game. And I actually broke it out last night uh, in preparation and played a few levels of it, and it's still just this beautiful, beautiful game. I'm a Mario person. There are very few Mario games that I don't like. The, one I, the ones I can say I definitely don't like, though are the Galaxy games. I don't like the world, the, the circular world feature. But aside from that, I, I, that's about the only set of Mario games I don't like. Um, Super Mario RPG is a glorious game that introduced me to RPG gaming, which we'll come back and play later. Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Sunshine, the, two, the first two 3D games. The somewhat open world, but somewhat task-based games. Uh, I fell in love with them. Mario 64 is the first game I remember 100%ing, where I started it and played through the whole game until I had a 120 stars. I'd beaten Bowser all the time, uh, all the times you could. I had all the keys, I had all the hats, and I had met Yoshi on top of the castle. I love this game, and it's another game that when I have a chance, I break out and I will start playing it. I'm hoping that Nintendo releases uh, some some 64 games under their online service sometime this year, so I can start playing those. Once again, Super Mario Sunshine, though, it took that formula, and yes, it added the water pack, which is weird, but not terribly, uh, but not terribly, or terribly offensive to it. But it gave you this this beautiful tropical world and all these tasks. Um, the Delfinos. It introduced so many things like the Shadow Mario and Bowser Jr. There's so much to that game, um, and I've yet to hundred percent it. I'm hoping again that it gets released sometime on the Switch. Or the next generation, so that I can give that another try and try it 100%. And I just love it so, so much. But what about non Mario games? I, I've definitely played my fair share of those. Um, I've played lots of Legend of the Zeldas. My absolute favorite one, though, is The Wind Waker, the one where you're in the boat and you're sailing uh, across the sea. Something about that game's story format, the cell shading, uh, the animation of it, it's. I mean, it's my favorite, favorite. It's not the best one, but it's the one I love the most. Then The best one, though, would, of course, be Breath of the Wild. It's so immersive, so in-depth. Uh, there's so much to do, and I played it for two weeks without even hitting the first dungeon and never got bored a single time. Check both of those out. If you, you haven't guessed from some of the ones I've named here, I love open-world games, games where you can do whatever you like, whatever you want. Um, and my favorite one of those ever, the one I was introduced to the concept with, was Spider-Man 2 for the GameCube. This came out with the Spider-Man 2 movie, the Sam Raimi one with Doc Ock. Um, and it's the second game I remember 100%ing because you could do the main storyline, but then the city kept living. There were so, there were new crimes to commit. There were new missions that would pop up, and it was amazing. The Spider-Man game came with the PS4 a couple years ago, took the same concept, they brought it, they brought it back, it's also amazing. It's not as good as Spider-Man 2, but it looks fantastic. Um, other open-world games, Tony Hawk's uh, Underground 2. An open-world Tony Hawk skating game. I love the Tony Hawk series. I started with with Pro Skater 2. I've played the other ones. Um, these games are great. I always wanted to be a skateboarder, but the main thing these, these games did was introduce a world of fantastic 
music to me. Uh, if, you've, if you've never played a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater game, the music is the most eclectic but beautiful set of music of the world. What, what other game can have this soundtrack that includes uh, I Walk the Line, or excuse me, Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash, and When Worlds Collide by Power Man 5000, and it just works. It is, I mean, just beautiful games, beautiful music, beautiful atmosphere. Uh, and then Final Fantasy games. Started playing those um, along with Super Mario RPG. Um, you know, I've never beaten one. They are so in-depth. They're so, I mean, they're, be- I've, I've said beautiful a lot. But they're so in-depth. They're so in- uh, intricate. And they're glorious. And the new one, the new remake of Final Fantasy VII, which is my favorite, just came out. I need to get into that. I've played the first mission demo, and it is gloriously hard. I mean, beautifully difficult. Check the that out. My current obsession, though, is Animal Crossing New Horizon. I am playing that on a daily basis. I have a house that's worth two and a half million bells that I've almost got paid off. I have an island full of people. There's no point to this game, but that's kind of the point of this game, you know? It, it's a way to just enjoy a video game, to relax, to calm down. Uh, and go from there. Now, do I like all video games? No. No, I don't. Uh, two types of video games I just cannot stand. Sports games. Uh, I don't know what it is, but your NBA games, your Madden games, your fighting games, or your boxing, mixed martial arts games, I can't stand those. I like wrestling games. I've played everyone since, I think, WrestleMania on the, I don't say everyone. i played them on every generation since... WrestleMania on the Super Nintendo. Um, there are good ones. There are bad ones. That's just the big and small of it. Um, I played 2019, or 2K19, excuse me. I did not care for it. I did not bother picking up 2K20 after seeing all the glitches that apparently never got fixed. Um, I also like baseball games, which is weird, um, but I'm a baseball fan. Uh, and then there is uh, first-person shooters, and shooters in general. I don't like war games. I've never gotten the hang of them. I can't aim. Funny story, we uh, Halo 2 came out about the time I started college, I believe. Maybe it was Halo 3. We played a lot of Halo, and we would do lands. I'll tell you how old we were. Uh, and I had a... The joke was, you didn't get to pick your call sign. Your call sign got given to you by your style of gameplay. Well, my call sign was Dick Cheney. Why? Well, it didn't matter who was on my team. I shot them in the face. I was so bad at these games, I shot my partner in the face on a regular basis. Therefore, I was uh, designated Dick Cheney, and I was picked last for any team that that we possibly had. But there's a short, (laughs) very short uh, intro to me in video games. I want to talk about some of my favorite video games later on. But uh, what are some of your favorite games? Talk about them uh on our twitter uh, at addict underscore radio uh, at addict underscore wrestle or at mn underscore delight come talk to me about your favorite get it video games your least favorite get it video games tell me why i'm wrong to not like first person shooters i'd love to hear from it we're gonna go into a break we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about nxe takeover in your house
What's going on, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose of the Kings of the Rings podcast. More importantly, I am your general manager here at WrestleAttic Radio. And if you like what you listen to each and every week on this podcast stream, I think you'll enjoy all the bonus content that we have on our Patreon page, where for just $5 a month, no tears, just one small payment of $5 a month, you get exclusive access to all of our bonus Patreon shows from everybody within the WrestleAttic Radio network. On top of that, you'll get exclusive access to us via a Patreon chat where you can talk about different ideas, different things you want to see in our shows, and potentially even be a guest on one of our shows. So that's something that you are interested in being a part of, a wrestling community that keeps wrestling real. Go to patreon.com backslash wrestleatic radio and click subscribe. Now enjoy the rest of the show. And we are back. Before we get uh, too far into takeover, I want to remind everybody it is Pride. Uh, all through the month of June, if you go to teespring.com backslash stores backslash wrestle hyphen addict hyphen radio, you will see on top of the page our pride collection. Every penny we make this month is going to the Trevor Project, a group that uh, does crisis intervention for LGBT uh, youth and, and young adults under 25. Definitely go check those out. Very important cause. Very cool shirts. And um, yeah, absolutely go go. Have that be a part of what, what you got going on during this time. Let's talk about NXT TakeOver in your house. Um, as I said, this show happened for a while, and then some things, some some good stuff happened. Did you know the last In Your House pay-per-view was St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which I believe included the debut of the big show, Paul White, Throwing Stone Cold Steve Austin through a steel cage and helping him win a match. Helping, in quotation marks, he was helping the McMahons. But that's the way it happened. Uh, let's get into this NXT, which included no major debuts, no cage match. Um, I guess Karrion Cross kind of debuted. Anyway, uh, match number one, the women's six-man, six-woman tag team match, Mia Yim uh, Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart versus Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, and Candice LeRae. This match was there. It, uh, it, it didn't have anything wrong with it. It had a couple good spots. One, um, everybody went, except for Raquel Gonzalez, went for a dive on the outside. Uh, hit a little bit of everybody. Mia Yim did a little bit of a stutter step. Um, and, like, that was weird. But, uh, Dakota Kai was not in position. So she waited. Good on her. She learned something from I, Ray Phoenix last month getting uh, dropped right on his tailbone in AEW. Uh, eventually, Tegan Knox would hit the shiniest wizard on uh, on Dakota Kai and would score a fall or windfall, windfall, pinfall win for the babyface team. Um, the match was fine. I had no problem with it. Nothing majorly good or bad happened. Um, two stars. Average match. No, wait, no, wait. We're not going to call them stars here. Two. Uh, oh, uh, well, uh, we'll get to say. We'll call this two ring doorbells out of five. Finn Balor versus Damian Priest in a brawl of a match. The What sticks out my mind about this match was, A, it was better than the women's six person, but... It still didn't. It didn't pop out as much as you'd hope for. Damian Priest looked great. He tossed Finn around. He bashed Finn into stuff. 
uh, Finn always does a, does a great job. The spot I remember is the the closing spot where uh, Priest has set up the bigger part of the stairs on the background. He's looking or on the uh, on the mats in the background. He's looking to go for the razor's edge off the apron onto the back uh, flat part of the the steps. Well, God uh, help Finn. He gets off there. He hits a huge kick and knocks Priest backwards. Back first onto these steps, and he bounces off these. This looked awful. I mean, holy cow. This looked terrible. Now, he did it as safely as he could, and hopefully he didn't get hurt, but oh my gosh. This made my back just seize up the moment he bounced off these steps. Uh, Vin would get Priest back in the ring, hit two coup de graces, and then would pin him 13 minutes and 7 seconds. No long matches on this show. The longest match on this show was uh, Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano. They went less than 21 minutes. Um, nothing long. But even, uh, they gave the time to what they needed. Uh, let's see. What was after this one? This was Johnny Gargano versus Keith Lee for the NXT North American title. Keith Lee comes out, he's wearing his Black Lives Matter gear. I very much appreciated that, and I realized that this may be the only time that WWE has thrown any support behind the Black Lives Matter movement. And let's just have some real talk for a second here. Linda McMahon is working for the Trump campaign. I don't have a problem with that much. Um, she's not involved in the day-to-day operations of this company. They are, you know, the owners are Republicans. And I get that any money I spend will eventually go into their pockets, which go into Republican pockets. I let all that be. The fact that in the same week we had Keith Lee wearing Black Lives Matter and Jackson Rector coming out in support of the president skeeves me a little bit, but it shows some neutrality. If and when either Vince McMahon himself or the WWE comes out in public support of... Um, Donald J. Trump running for president, then there will be a hiatus of me watching or spending any money on WWE product for the foreseeable future. Um, it's just the way it has to be. I, I, I feel strongly about this. I believe that um, wrestling should be an escape, should be, new, should be neutral. Uh, and if it, it comes to a point where it's not, then I, I have to... Uh, I have to stick by my principles and what I feel, and I have to take a break. That does not mean the show will go away. I'll find other things to watch. There's always AEW. Uh, hopefully, there'll be NWA at the time. There will be stuff to watch. The, the light show will be here, but at, at that time, there will be no more no more WWE coverage on the light show. But that's hypothetical. We hadn't got there yet. Um, Johnny Gargano uh, was inside the In Your House house, which is some sort of metaphysical portal. Because we saw very clearly later on that it was just the front facing of a house. But he comes out the door, he locks it in place, he stuffs the keys down into his britches, and he goes to the ring. I can't imagine that that was comfortable this whole match with a pair of keys right up against your jo- uh, 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 your jockstrap. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, they, they get into this match. It is exactly what you would expect from Johnny Gargano and uh, Keith Lee. Keith Lee doing stuff that he physically should not be able to do, like a bumblebee flying. Uh, doing all these jumps and kicks and things. Johnny Gargano, who can do these jumps and kicks and things, focusing mainly on destroying the fingers and eye that he previously ended of Keith Lee. 
Um, at one point, Candice LeRae would make her way back out, and uh, Mia Yim would follow. Keith Lee would get distracted. Uh, well, the ref and Keith Lee would get distracted by the brawl. Johnny Gargano would retrieve his ball sack keys uh, and stab them into the eye of one Keith Lee. Oh, my God. Can you hear the power washer outside? Uh, my God in heaven. Hopefully you can't hear that. Uh, but I very much can. Uh, anyway, stabbing Keith Lee with his ball keys. He did that. Uh, he would hit the, the uh, big Johnny Gargano move that I can't think of the name of. Uh, for a two count, but Keith Lee would hit the Big Bang and uh, the Spirit Bomb for the win. And it wasn't until tonight that I realized that both of Keith Lee's big moves were named after uh, Dragon Ball Z moves. So I'm going to give this an extra half a star for that. We're going to give this three and one half stars. No problems here. Keith Lee's still your NXT uh, North American champion. I'd not give a rating to Priest and Balor. I'd give them three. Not stars. Uh, ring doorbells. Oh, the ring doorbell. That's that's where this came into play. They set up an actual camera doorbell, a ring, on the uh, on the house set, which, first of all, looked amazing, looked very 90s. But at one point, Johnny Gargano was trying to escape through the door to the house. Again, I guess his portal back to his own home. And from this doorbell camera, you see Keith Lee coming behind him and just start slamming him into the door. That was a good spot there. No problems with this match. Just nothing to write home about. Three and a half. Dream. The Velveteen Dream versus Adam Cole, baby, in a backlot brawl. The last backlot brawl that I remember was Goldust and Rowdy Roddy Piper. In uh, at WrestleMania, where they did the OJ thing, that was better than this. I was so underwhelmed by this match, I could I can't begin to tell you how much I disliked it. Um, not just because Dream lost, and he really shouldn't have lost here. I think it was his Dream's time, but you couldn't see anything. The editing was Marvel movie level of bad. Um, but there was dark, and then all of a sudden you just have headlights in your eye. There were four camera cuts. To the dream, picking up and setting up a ladder. The thing we all knew would happen, the uh, Blessed Undisputed Era just shows up and starts beating up Velveteen Dream. Dexter Loomis, in the highlight of the match, appears out of nowhere, looking dead-faced as I'll get out, with his blonde hair and beautiful mustache, uh, and he kills Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish, loads them into a car and drives them away. And when I say kills, I usually mean beats up. He might have murdered them later on. I don't know that for sure. Dexter Loomis is a fantastic character. What happened to Kyle O'Reilly? Last we saw, he was checking on Adam Cole, who'd been put through a windshield, and then he just disappeared. He didn't help with the finish. He didn't help uh, take out Loomis. He did nothing. Uh, Adam Cole would win, kicking out of the... Uh, a beautiful purple rainmaker through a through a steel chair and then he Panama Sunset onto a pile of chairs that the Undisputed Era had laid out earlier before um it just didn't work I think eventually I think initially this was supposed to be the main event but it, it just didn't turn out that way so we're going to call this one and a half ring doorbells Karrion Cross versus Tommaso Ciampa. The shortest match of the card, and when was the last time you said that about a Tommaso Ciampa match? 
Um, this felt like Cena versus Brock on a much lesser scale. Um, Cross beat the bejesus out of Tommaso Ciampa for four of the six minutes. Then Tommaso Ciampa scored a, ho- a couple of host spots. He even hit the Willow's Bell. But Karrion Cross would kick out. He would uh, hit the uh, big Karrion Cross move that I don't know the name of. But then he would lock in the cross jacket and literally choke out Ciampa. Ciampa does not tap out, but he goes unconscious. Karrion Cross looks fantastic. It was short. Um, I'm gonna give it two and a half uh, ring doorbells because let's let's just be honest. It was it was a pretty good little set. Um, and then the main event: Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. For the NXT Women's Championship, this was the match of the show. It, this was a one-match show. Let's just be real honest. And this was it. Um, and well worked that these women should should have the main event. The it's been five years since the last time women made it a takeover. Women never make it invented in your house. Um, and just it it makes for some good wrestling. Charlotte immediately bells and kind of tries to go Io and. She, Rhea into fighting each other. It works. Then she gets the match. She starts fighting them as well. Um, I could go through every single move that I've got written down here, but let's hit the big spot of the night where uh, Charlotte has Rhea on the floor. They're battling up near the set, um, just throwing punches. It's been about 15 minutes at this point. They're getting kind of winded, kind of tired, and all of a sudden the spotlights leave them and go up to the top of the In Your House house and Jesus there is Io Shirai and she leaps off in a beautiful crossbody and literally picture perfect they catch her, they fall back they land, this is the best catch I've seen in wrestling in about a month Uh, and then Io rolls forward and drags her knee right across the face and nose of Charlotte Flair doesn't look like she injured it but Charlotte was holding her nose the rest of the match it looked pretty rough there they get back to the ring. Io goes for her, uh, as her Hurricane Rana on Rhea. Charlotte pulls her down. Charlotte goes up to Superplex Rhea. Rhea hits a super riptide, the same move she beat Shayna Baszler with. One, two, but Io's recovered. Io breaks up the fall. Um, Flair dumps Io to the outside. She locks in the figure eight. She's got Rhea exactly where she wants her. Uh, Io comes off the top with the picture perfect moonsault, except that her knees land almost directly, almost directly on Rhea's face. Charlotte is, her legs are pinned, she can't get out of the moves, and Rhea can't kick out. One, two, three. Io Shirai is your new NXT women's champion. Uh, And my favorite part of the whole thing is. Flair realizes she's stuck. She can't slip out. She can't break up this pinfall. And as the ref counts through, you just hear it go, shit! And Yoshirai is your women's champion. This match, three and a three quarters ring doorbells. Um, the best of the whole night. Where do we go from here with the NXT women? What? Sideways to Raw, SmackDown. Wherever you can, you could go center to Raw and have it be uh, Charlotte versus Oscar for a little bit. We've seen it before, but it's never bad. 
Uh, Bailey's busy right now. She's got the women's title, and she's got Sasha to deal with, and she's got uh, Lacey and hopefully Tamina. What has happened to, to my friend Tamina? But that's fine. Um, EO has got a litany of people she can face. Rhea's number one on the list. But then you got Candice LeRae, who, yes, EO's still technically a heel, I think. Um, but Candice and, and Rhea. We could like that, the views on that. We've still got Shotzi Blackheart down there. We've got Tegan, Dakota, Raquel, Mia. There's a litany of great matches you're ready to have in NXT, and you don't need Charlotte Flair to do them. So I'm, I'm happy with that finish there. Um, but yeah, that's going to cover us for NXT TakeOver In Your House. Looking ahead, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, WWE Backlash is next Sunday. We did, so technically they're having pay-per-views two Sundays in a row. This is not going to go well for them. It's just not. It's They're too close together. But let's look at what's going what's to happen there. Maybe we'll cast a few predictions, although there's only five matches on the card so far. Uh, match number one, Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. I don't care. I imagine Jeff will get his win here unless they're going to feud all summer, and then Sheamus will win. Asuka versus Nia Jax for the Raw Women's title. I just hope Asuka comes out of this match alive. Uh, and then the interesting matches to me, uh, Braun Strowman versus The Miz and Morrison in a handicap match. It has been announced that if Braun Strowman loses this match, The Miz and Morrison will be co-WWE Universal Champions. Now, I'm okay with that. I think we could do some fantastic stuff with co-Universal Champions. Um, plus, I also want to see Miz and Morrison both get a world title reign. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Braun Strowman is going to win this match uh, in a show of complete dominance. But if he should happen to lose, The Miz and Morrison could be so dynamic as a pair saving each other's back. And honestly, we could build up to SummerSlam or maybe even Survivor Series to get them in a match for a singular Universal Champion. Or, or, and hold me here. Miz and Morrison win this match, but have been beaten up so bad by Strowman, out comes Otis Dozovic with his money in the bank, and he wins the title. Now, do I think it's going to happen? No. I honestly think Braun Strowman will beat them both and will walk into SummerSlam to face somebody for the uh, for the WWE Universal Championship. But if not, I'm completely cool with Miz and Morrison being champion. I don't think it's time for Otis. Uh, watching Otis in the ring against Strowman, or I guess Corbin this week, I don't think it's time for Stro- for Otis to be champion. But let him work guys like Corbin, Miz, Morrison for the re- for the next five months, six months by the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I think we could have a great Otis Dozovic short term, you know, Royal Rumble to WrestleMania. Who Otis main eventing WrestleMania as WWE champion? That's a weird sentence. I could see. I mean, it could work, but he needs work before then. But official prediction is Braun Strowman retains that title. Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. I am way less upset about Bobby Lashley being number one contender than I thought I'd be. I personally think Bobby Lashley is boring. I have for a long time. But that's only in WWE. In TNA, he wasn't so bad. And he had MVP, which is what's actually making him a little better here. Now... Why am I not so upset about this? One, we a it's a black man challenging for the WWE Championship. That's great. We we don't get that often enough. Um, we we certainly haven't had 
that many black champions. I mean, in one, if we're being technical, with Kofi Kingston last year. Hopefully, I, I don't think Bobby's going to win this match, but I think he could win it later on down the line. I think Drew's going to retain, but it's going to be a good match. But the main reason I'm not upset about it is we are into June now, and God, wrestling gods don't screw me on this, but Brock Lesnar's not around challenging for the title. Uh, we have had two pay-per-views in a row without Brock Lesnar holding or challenging for a WWE championship. I'm going to call that a great sign. Yes, I'm going to live to eat those words. I guarantee it. And it might be as early as next Sunday, but I think Drew's going to win here. We may end up with Drew versus Brock at SummerSlam, but sweet Jesus, it's it's just nice to have something uh, else. And then Edge versus Randy Orton in a singles match bill as the best wrestling match ever. Ever. It's not going to be. Adjust your expectations now. But this could be a fun match moving forward that could uh, could actually be pretty good. You know, Edge is not going to be able to jump off of of uh, ladders and spear people off hooks anymore. But he can have a great wrestling match. I, I'd almost guarantee it. Randy Orton is the best Randy Orton I've seen in years with Edge. I believe we are going to get the best wrestling match on this show out of these two. I am hoping nothing goes wrong. I hope we just get a solid wrestling match. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be nice to finally see what Edge can do. Now, now, the important part. Edge needs to win. I think Edge will win. Edge needs to move forward. And honestly, I would be okay with Edge versus Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam. Um, I don't think Edge will win. But I could. I would be totally, totally okay with it. Or, or maybe this. Edge versus The Miz and Morrison. Or The Miz or Morrison at SummerSlam. I'd be okay with that too. There's your predictions for Backlash. Sweet Jesus, it's next Sunday. Um... Yeah, let's move forward into wrestling this week. Let's hopefully we have a good week. Um, a couple things to remember. One, it is Pride. Please go check out our, our Pride merchandise, teespring.com slash, or excuse me, backslash towards backslash wrestle hyphen addict hyphen radio. That'll get you there. Um, wear those with Pride. Even if you're not a member of the community, wear those in support of your, your members of the community. I have beloved members of the LGBT community in my life. Uh, roommates from school, best friends, partners here on this radio station, please support them on this topic here. And also, and once again, uh, Black Lives Matter. I'm going to put that out there. Uh, I did not say that as part of my my spiel last week about about what's happening. I want to correct that. Black Lives Matter. And I don't want to hear any argument to the contrary. But if you want to argue, you will find yourself suddenly without a follower on the Twitter. Or someone to follow. Um, but hey, I don't need to get into that again. Just that's my statement. Black Lives Matter. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MN underscore Delight. Follow us all at Russell underscore Addict. Check out all of our shows. The Kings of the Ring podcast. The Game Changer podcast. The Young Lions Perspective. And um, just hang tight. we got a lot of great stuff coming. And, there's, and it's not stopping now. I will see you guys next week.